0: the coaching cast, your working from home managers club, here to check in with you weekly to share your working highs and lows, remind you that you're not alone and that there's many of us outside of your current four walls, all trying to be the best coach, leader, manager and human being that we can be. I'm Lisa, founder of Grip Corporate Coaching, personal performance coach, leader and chief eye roller when it comes to all nonsensical corporate mumbo jumbo which suffocates rather
1: than advocates. And I'm Susie, sales and business coach at Future Business Coaching, currently taking on my hardest coaching assignment to date, parenting a toddler who doesn't take too kindly to being questioned. In this
0: podcast, we aim to explore the leadership and coaching techniques required to navigate and survive the current business environment, presenting different topics each episode, which we will discuss with some special guests along the way, sharing ideas, hints, and tips for you to take away and try for yourself. We hope you enjoy listening. In today's episode, we are continuing our special episodes discussing leadership and work with our dads as they divulge their own career experiences. Today, we welcome my dad, Robin Terry, to share his experience of being made redundant at 60 and how he bounced back to continue his career in the world of paper packaging. So stay with us and enjoy. So before we introduce my dad onto
1: the show, Suze, tell me about your week. Hello. Um, my week. Yeah, not, not been too bad. Um, although I would say it's probably been a bit of a roller coaster of a, of a week or so. I feel like um I've had some really great highs, but also kind of like a few low points as well. So, like been brilliant that. We, we've talked about it before we can get back out and about now into the real world so it was my mom's 60th birthday so shout out to Claire happy and birthday Claire times um it was my mom's 60th birthday so we had a few COVID um compliance celebrations <laughs> I um, love the fact <laughs> you
0: have to like stress that just to be clear we got together
1: but in a COVID safe way we COVID safe everybody <laughs> was very sensible um and yes yeah, so that was really nice because do you know what I've not seen so firstly my family haven't all been together like the six of us for with my brother um for a really long time like I can't even remember when the last time was so we had a really nice meal together and then my wider family um we had a celebration with them as well and I haven't seen them or spent any kind of decent time with them for um again a really long time obviously because of the pandemic so it was just really nice to see everybody and have a chat have a glass of wine and just kind of um yeah see what everybody's been up to how they're at and and what's going on and stuff so um yeah it was really nice few days uh I have to say uh my little boy was the star of the show he was lapping up the attention don't know where he gets that from (laughs) um he was absolutely loving it uh so yeah it was a a really nice couple of days celebrating her birthday um and then I kind of came home and so um I'm not sure I've talked about it before on the podcast but um in the last few years I've started suffering from health anxiety uh and that's because um I've had quite a lot of ill physical health in the last couple of years um and my anxiety has been quite bad the last couple of weeks um, and, and was kind of, you know, been triggered by a few things. Um and so I've really yes struggled with kind of dealing with my anxiety the last couple of weeks and it's kind of just been there like Mm. sitting all Mm. the time um and so it's been a bit of a roller coaster just kind of managing that and like I said like dealing with the highs of you know seeing my family again and some great stuff happening work-wise and some other spits and bobs but also then dealing with kind of um I suppose I'll call it the lows but Just yeah, the struggles of of managing anxiety on a on a kind of daily basis as part of your everyday. And that's not something that I've um kind of really nailed yet because it's still quite new for me. Mm. And I don't think if you suffer from anxiety, sometimes you ever do. But um, yeah, so that's been a bit of a struggle, I have to admit, um, the last couple of weeks. And then also you know I'm still here in Laura's amazing office recording a podcast um which I love coming to it's so beautiful it's so nice when I come here and at least you're always like just like you're in a professional studio
0: you I'm do look f- very professional I in wish. your space not um, like mine which is like a, a dumping ground which <laughs> <laughs> I try um, and artfully cover up with my shoulder hunches and how well I'll be doing that soon
1: when we're back hall. in my house I'll be doing exactly <laughs> the same um And then just the usual builder drama. So I'm just like, why can you? Not finish my extension. There's just always an excuse. Does anybody else find this when having renovations done? There's just (laughs) always something, and it's starting to get on my nerves. Um, So that was a bit of a a bit of a low point. Oh, Uh, I was like, I've had a bit
0: of a roller coaster. (laughs) I think the anxiety piece. I know I mentioned feeling quite anxious last week in the podcast, and it was interesting. I've spoken to a few friends, and I think there are a number of us at the moment who are experiencing anxiety in a way we never have before yeah and I think it is in relation to uh, actually what you describe as the roller coaster of how we live at the moment because of uh, the impact COVID has had in that that level of uncertainty is stronger and more acute in terms of how our environment is being impacted by that and how yeah. our ability to control what we're doing has been reduced. And I think because we're living with that general undercurrent of uncertainty, I think that is triggering a level of anxiety. And then when life is happening on top of it, it it's it feels even more challenging because the foundation yeah. of what you're living with is already a little bit rocky. Yeah. So I think there's many of us at the moment who can relate to that feeling. I, I definitely know personally I've suffered with anxiety in the last 18 months more than I have ever done. yeah Yeah. and I've struggled with it on a a rolling daily weekly basis as well and things that I think previously I could cope with and didn't really affect me too much suddenly I can't anymore it's it is yeah so I think I think many of us can relate Suze at the moment right should we uh, get (laughs) get 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 on to introducing Robin to the I think we should move on
1: definitely (laughs) let's do it let's do it that's it
0: Today, we welcome my dad, Robin Terry, to the Coaching Cast. He's had an incredible career in the UK paper and cardboard packaging industry for 39 years and been responsible for some of the most iconic packaging designs, which many of you will be familiar with, including the Cadbury's Yard, a yard of your favourite Cadbury's chocolate bars, Whisper, to name only but one, as well as working with large brands such as Diageo, Boots, Procter & Gamble, again, only to name a very small number. After working for and growing a small but successful family-owned business in Kent for nearly 40 years where he progressed from a junior administrator to joining the board of directors, which he held a directorship with for 25 years, he was faced with redundancy at 60 in 2014. For many, this would have triggered retirement, but my dad was intent on continuing his career and working life, wanting to prove to himself his capability and ability to work for others to continue his personal success. He continued working for another five years for a few different packaging businesses before choosing to retire from full-time employment in 2019. He now consults on a freelance basis and recently supported the launch of a new luxury drinks brand who he continues to aid to develop their supply chain. My dad loves to challenge the term retire and rephrases it as rewire, which we are going to delve into further today. Dad, welcome to the coaching cast.
2: Welcome, well, for the phone interruption immediately at the beginning.
1: <laughs> don't worry, we like to keep it real on this podcast. Yeah, so. don't worry. Don't worry about it. You, you did say, you were like, do you know what, that phone's got
2: to go. I can't believe it. I think somebody, <laughs> I think somebody um,
0: planted the phone call to start at the beginning
2: of the podcast. Sabotage.
0: Sabotage. Sabotage. Oh, oh, it's
1: all going off now. We've got like triple phones.
2: Oh, God. Sorry, my PA didn't didn't rush to the phone quick enough.
1: <laughs> didn't get the memo. Didn't get the memo. Unbelievable. Saka.
0: Saka. Saka. Only Jacob.
2: Are you awake? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't know how much of this you're have to edit out in the beginning. Don't worry about it. Thank I you. Won't, I won't run it.
0: So <laughs> I've obviously talked through your your career. I've given an overview there, Dad, of your of your career journey, but Um, Do you want to tell us a bit more about where you started and and how you grew to the position of director?
2: Yes, thank you. Um, So I graduated in 1975 with, would you believe, a sociology degree or social sciences degree, uh, which is nothing remotely to do with business. But I was very fortunate because um, I'd actually switched subjects during the degree course to economics and economic history. Um, so I was born and bred in Dover and in the 70s, unlike today, I think as university graduates we didn't overly worry about whether there was going to be a job at the end of it. Jobs were fairly easy uh, to come by. So I just came home <laughs> after I'd finished so I came back to Dover. and would you believe um, I was working on a petrol station as a holiday job? And the packaging company in the town had a petrol account there and I used to serve them petrol. And the managing director and family owner of that business used to quiz me on what I was going to do when I'd finished my university degree. And I said, I'll have a go at anything. And he said to me, well, he said, "Um, we're thinking, and this is what really amused me at the time, we're thinking of introducing production control. It's like, what, you don't have a system already? <laughs> yes, we've had consultants in, they've designed the system and we need somebody to come in and implement it. Are you interested? So I went down, I always remember it was in the July 75, went down to have a look and basically got offered of the job. So it was, it was probably the most easiest interview I've ever had in my career. <laughs> <laughs> so suddenly I was launched and... You know, what could be more convenient? And really, when I look back, um, it was a small company at the time, although one of the leading lights in the box industry at that point. But we then grew exponentially, really through the 80s, the 90s, and into the noughties. You know. um, and I was very fortunate because as we went through each successive development of the business, um, I was always included as part of it. So I ended up, if you like, touching all the, all the functions in the business throughout my career. So very, very fortunate. I used to describe myself as a generalist, really, because you know I moved from production, scheduling, and control into the sales side eventually. Um, but really based on project management, skills and experience. I'm I'm not a natural born salesman. Um, But what I found was, is if you give excellent customer service, then the orders will repeat. So I developed a way of working whereby I looked after every single function of an order from inquiry right through to delivery. And that used to confuse some people because people used to say, well, why don't you just stick to what you've been asked to do? and and let other people worry about the rest of it. And I said, yes, but I can't guarantee my client will get 100% satisfaction if I haven't seen the good through to delivery. Also, they won't repeat that order. Um, A very good example of that was IBM Denmark, who actually told me they didn't want to see the salesperson, they wanted to see me, because I was the person that managed their account. So... By working in that way, um, I could sell, even though I wasn't overtly sold. Um, so I was appointed a, a director in 1989. And as you say, 25 years seemed to zoom past. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. I, when I look back, I think to myself, 25 years as a director, that's a long time, isn't it? And And, and I have to pinch myself even now to, you know, to think about it. And again, it was very much, um, if you like, I used to change my role on the board, or if you like, with agreement, as the company needed different things to be done. So, um, in the 90s, um, my very good friend, or somebody who became my good friend, Michael Jukes, who you know, um, chairman, um, he introduced a market structure across the business. In, in order to, to grow our sales further, he segmented the company into market teams. So it didn't matter what your current job was, you were put in a team to focus on a particular market. Um, and I ended up eventually, well, originally my market was called Food Gift, which I absolutely loved, as you can imagine, because my core client was Cadbury in Bourneville which was brilliant because every time I used to go and visit um, Bourneville, I used to go into the Cadbury shop afterwards.
1: Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? I've <laughs> been there as a child.
2: And buy all these fantastic quantities of, you know, broken biscuits and yeah. chocolate bars on offer. And it's just one place. I, I mean, Lisa will remember, I used to come back with bags loaded with chocolate. Yeah, you did. <laughs> for every visit. For, cool. an over,
0: for an overweight teenager, that really wasn't that helpful, Dad, but thanks.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, it, was, it, was it was such a brilliant contract. Um, and eventually, a uh, food gift for me, it kind of morphed into the drinks side, the premium drinks side, um, which as a market was, was beginning to grow. So, which is why I, I ended up working uh, for Diageo in particular uh, in Scotland, which was an absolutely wonderful period. I would say that's my best. When I look back at my 39 years with that particular company, my best years were actually working in the premium drinks market because there was an explosion of rigid gift packaging. You know, they, they moved a lot of brands from purely printed cartons to a rigid box. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was just a phenomenal time. Um, and, um, and then, as I say, my role changed again in the latter stages uh, to first of all, really to centralised purchasing, and then if you like more broadly procurement. So that's where I ended up by 2014. Um, yeah. So do you want me to talk about what happened then in 2014? Or- yeah, yeah. Yeah. So okay. I, th- I yeah. think it's.
0: I think the main. I mean, it's it's fascinating listening to you detail. Mm-hmm your time in that 39 years and the thing that stands out for me and actually I think it's one of the things you've always taught me is adaptability and being flexible
2: yeah,
0: and always recognising the yeah. opportunities that are around you, because actually yeah. hearing you talk through all of your time in that organisation for thirty-nine years, which in this day and age is so unusual, yeah. because especially our generation, mine and Susie's, and I think mm. it will be the same for those who are who are younger than us, <clears throat> not too much younger, obviously, um, <laughs> is that actually that seems so bizarre and alien to stay somewhere for so long, um, and yet you utilized the opportunity completely in that time to yeah. move around the company and to grow and you know reach the the epitome really which for many people is to hit the the board which is what mm-hmm. you did and then even in, on the board, you adapted and flexed to the requirements and mm. changed, You know, as you said, those market areas, which is so fascinating. But that's, that's always one of those lessons I remember that we've always discussed, which is you take the opportunities that come to you and you see how it goes. And you yeah. remain open-minded and flexible to that, which yeah. I, I think is fascinating. I, mean,
2: I, I, I always felt uh, privileged, A, because of the way I started in the company, Hmm. sometimes when I say to you sometimes we just need an opportunity to come along and you know who would have thought that as a graduate sitting on a petrol pump that I would have been offered a golden opportunity hmm. and that's what I always say to people it doesn't matter how down the dumps you get about your job or your situation you would be amazed what comes out of the blue yeah. You, know, you don't sit there dreaming and waiting for it, but things do happen. Mm. And, um, and similarly, I always felt privileged working inside this particular company because, you know, I felt secure and I always felt, if you like, encouraged. And there was always like a positive move to anything that we did. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is so much, um, it's so much easier to perform when you're in that kind of environment. And particularly because the company was really turned into a customer-facing company, there's no better feedback, as you know, than from customers. Mm. Customers think you're doing a, a blinding job or a great job. You, you kind of know about it, mm. you know, because they will tend to feedback. They will give you the orders. You know, they will mention it to your bosses, hopefully. And, it, you know, it's like a virtual circle, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah you're quite right. Yeah.
0: yeah. So yeah. it's interesting then around that point about how you felt secure, mm. because then obviously in 2014 yeah. that very much changed. So in I mean, 2000, yeah. So in 2014, you you were made redundant. So talk yeah. talk to
2: us about that. That was a very odd time because in 2013, um, our company was approached uh, to be you know were we interested in being bought. Oddly, up until then, I'd always been told we would never be sold. So it was a bit of a shock to me personally to learn that, oh, actually, we are interested in being sold. Um, And indeed, when I looked at who was approaching us, I thought, actually, this is a great fit, because it looked as if it guaranteed the future of the company, which actually was a bit of a puzzle for us up until then, Because we didn't really know that, you know, whether the family who owned the business would keep running. We didn't really know that. So I actually voted for the (laughs) takeover as a director. I voted for it. I was very positive about it. Um, Only to subsequently discover that as they went through the process of buying and assimilating us, that actually they were looking for savings on the board. And this is one of the downsides, of course, as many of us discover when we become directors, actually, we're not actually as safe as perhaps we think we might be because we represent on a piece of paper a large cost. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I think probably I was a cost reduction target. Um, I hate to say the word ageist comes in, but there was a feeling it might be ageist as well. Mm. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that I found that was a shock. Um, I was also personally aggrieved because I actually wanted to hit the forty mark. <laughs> 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 oh, I
1: don't,
2: I don't you can't rob me of that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Got to get to that round number.
2: <laughs> yeah, I wanted that round number forty. It still sticks in my craw. It wasn't <laughs> 40. So I think because I felt. Um, how can I put it? Yeah, I mean personally I was, you know, I was upset, I was angry. I think most people would expect that. Mm. Although, as you quite rightly say, some people bite people's hand off, and say, well, we're gonna make me redundant here, have a package. And people say, Oh, goody, goody, but I just personally that's not the way it felt to me. It felt very personal to me. And I I genuinely felt that so what is this thirty-nine years all about? Um I I genuinely felt that there was no attempt of the new owner to get to know me. Now that poses an interesting question to me in hindsight. You know, I would I would honestly say, did I do enough to present myself to them? I suspect not because I suspect my emotions got in the way. Mm. I suspect. I suspect I'd probably thought, no, why should I? You know. Mm. You know, maybe maybe that was a bad tactic I don't know, I never will know it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. so yes, yeah, so in 2014 um, I immediately set about uh, finding something else to do I just wasn't willing to say oh this is it even though as you know I've got loads of hobbies and interests and I've got more than enough to fill up my day and my week but I just wasn't content with the idea that I was no longer employable I think that's the issue. I'm 60 and you're telling me, you know, I'm not valid to be employed. Um, I had a very interesting summer in 2014 because suddenly I found that my competition wanted to talk to me. And of course, they wouldn't have done that until then, would they? (laughs) Um, So that was an interesting, I had a lovely time. I was getting invited to go and visit other companies in my industry um and spend time with them and have a chat and it was great it was lovely i mean obviously they wanted to know you know what the score was <laughs> with, with with where i was coming from so i had to be a bit careful um but it was very nice and in fact it was nice to be welcomed by other people in the industry because if you like that showed me a level of respect within the industry that i didn't know existed yeah so that did me good from a morale point of view um I registered with, I don't know, something like 25 different agencies, job agencies. I I didn't care, I just registered with anybody. I even, this will make you laugh, I even signed on because I was entitled to to claim unemployment benefit. And they were amazed down at Dover um, Employment Center, I would turn up, all dressed up, shirt and tie, coat, briefcase. And they used to think that I was the secret um <laughs> investigator so turning up to see whether the employment centre was working correctly. I go, no, I'm just coming to sign on. <laughs> well, you don't have to come and sign on. I said, but I do. I said, because in principle, you know, I'm entitled to unemployment. <laughs> and I'm turning up, you know, and you know, all sorts of poor downtrodden looking people in the queue. Yeah. <laughs> I would religiously do that. Um, <laughs> I know it's funny. Isn't it? I just want <laughs> to be normal. I just, mm. just want to see what normal people... I, that was the other point, I think. I wanted to see how it felt. How it felt to be unemployed. And it's not nice. It's not mm. nice. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I was approached by a promotions company and... Um, And so by the September, so I got made redundant in March 14. By September 14, I'd I'd been approached and became employed. Really doing something that was, it was allied to what I'd been doing, but actually slightly different because this was a promotions company who sourced all sorts of items from China. Now, again, one of the interesting things about my latter career had been that I'd been sourcing components from China for the drinks industry in order to make some of the boxes. So I jumped at it because I thought, oh, this is great. This is another way of getting back to China. Because I absolutely love China and Hong Kong. I feel really sorry for what's happening in Hong Kong. And I do absolutely love the Chinese. And it's a shame that there's so much negative publicity at the moment about it. But I absolutely love it. So I jumped at the chance. Um, and and join them I also was quite happy to just be an administrator which may surprise some people but I just didn't want the pressure anymore of being a director at that point I thought that's great that means I don't have people responsibilities and coaching responsibilities (laughs) but yes I can escape all that just let me do a job you know yeah and I, I, I really looked forward to that and, and as you say I did this crazy journey through the Dartford Tunnel because it was based in Essex I genuinely think as well that I saw the exponential growth in Dartford Tunnel traffic from 2014 <laughs> to 2017 Honestly, it got worse it was a how double could, it,
0: how a could it be worse it was already <laughs> terrible
2: <laughs> it was already terrible but, but I, I genuinely believe I can plot on the graph the increase in traffic when, when I stuck <laughs> it. And um, I ended up having to stay overnight in Essex because I couldn't face the journey coming back to the balls in I couldn't do it. It was just horrible. I would be spending like four hours on the road. And if there was a traffic, if there was an accident or the, or the tunnel got jammed, you know, it might take me like three or four hours to get to Essex. It was just ludicrous. <laughs> um, and. It was, it's very interesting, it was a tiny little company, we weren't resourced very well, um, but it gave me a lot of free time to really study how the Chinese supply chain works, did me a huge amount of good to me personally, um, and I also learned how to manage a project, if you like, with, with, with next to no resource, mm. and, it, and it is possible, <laughs> <laughs> it is possible. Um, and and it was great. And again, you know, we had some very good customers, and they were always delighted with what with what I did. So and it was great. And to be honest, I genuinely thought I was going to see my days out there until mm-hmm. I became sixty five. Um, I just thought, you know what, I'm quite happy with this. So I'll just keep going. And then, to my amazement, in 2017, I was actually headhunted out by a national company. Um, to go and manage their sole supply chain with a Chinese, um, packaging supplier. So again, I jumped at it. I thought, wow, this is, this is good. And that indeed did enable me then to revisit China and Hong Kong. So it was like, for me, it was utopia.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and the only reason really that I, came out of that in the end in 2019 was because actually I'd done a huge amount of work to try and broaden this supply chain. And I genuinely felt that for all the work that I'd done and was doing, it wasn't actually going to happen. Um, It wasn't within my power, if you like, to make it happen. The power's above me. And being in a national company for the first time, again, it was very interesting because the dynamics of a national company is so different to a small company mm. quite quite amazing and so again i was i felt privileged again to see that other end of the spectrum mm. i just knew by february 19 time to come out because it, i was still having to travel around the, the m25 to enfield this time so my journey was still just as bad in fact it was worse it was worse than the previous job, um, So I thought, I don't want to keep doing all this tri- traveling. This driving it's just driving me nuts. And I, it meant I was away several days in the week in the end. <clears throat> and in fact, when I used to stay up there, I used to work crazy hours, 12, 14 hours, because not because I, not because I didn't want to. I actually enjoyed it. But it's just because I was there. Yeah, it's yeah. Just easy, it's just easy to do. You yeah, know, and, I, and I, I used to enjoy the, the, seeing little things like going off to some greasy spoon for breakfast in the morning. And um, I used to I used to enjoy the coffee van turning up during the day.
0: <laughs> well, I'm not surprised after all those hours driving. I bet then, it was a yeah. godsend. No, you I did
1: co- I mean? caffeine hit. It
2: was, it was like, it was like a, a sense of freedom. You know what I mean? It's like, like kids in a sweet shop. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That syndrome oh, great, I'm away and I can do all this. And, yeah, well, great. <laughs> it's just really, really funny. But yeah, so, so I came out in 2019 and then I'd always dabbled with the idea of consultancy, but actually never been brave enough to do it. And I genuinely know that I wouldn't have been able to create enough income, mm. actually. Uh, I think the reason I'm enjoying it now is because it's pocket money and it's, Because I don't have the financial pressure, I I can enjoy myself hugely. So, And again, it's been very surprising because I've I've been gradually shaping my profile on LinkedIn to reflect um, the approaches that I've been getting because people are genuinely ringing me up and saying, I need some help. In fact, one gentleman this year used the word sounding board. I just want to use you as a sounding board. And I thought, that's, that's a great expression, isn't it? And um, actually, if you notice on my LinkedIn, I've actually changed my, I've, I've dropped the word consultant, and I now use the word companion. So nice. it's packaging companion. Um, because basically, what I realized I'm doing is that I'm actually holding people's hands in terms of sourcing packaging, in terms of understanding an inquiry, because an inquiry in my sector of the packaging industry, as Lisa will know, because she's did some work for me at one point, they're the most bizarre um, documents. Well, you're lucky if you get documents sometimes for an inquiry. Um, and you know, my type of packaging, people think it sits on the shelf that you ring up and you say, oh, can I have 500 of X? And you go, well, you know, we've got to design it and make it. It's all bespoke. Mm. It's okay. Bespoke. Oh, well, surely you've got them on the shelf and you just take them off the shelf and you plaster a bit of paper on and off. I said, no, that's, that's not what <laughs> we do. <laughs> so people, I find that people um, are genuinely confused about the sector of packaging that i'm in and need some help They mm. need some hand holding
1: yeah so
2: I've got well my... if you've got As an...
1: yeah. i was gonna say if you've got any linkedin tips lisa and i are all ears <laughs> aren't we lisa <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah still, still trying to grow that <laughs> still yeah. trying to figure that one out <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so but... dad what was your
0: what was your experience of of joining an organization as a new person at your age? Because it's interesting, you you do mention, you did use the word ageist um, yeah. in respect of your redundancy.
2: Well, that's, a, that's a very good point, actually. What, what I found was, was that um, everybody was genuinely respectful. It, it took me back a bit because obviously I was nervous, particularly if you think about when I first did this in 2014, I was going from being a director to have people working for me to then going into a role where i was expected to do the job myself mm-hmm. you see and so um so i was nervous because i didn't know whether i could do it i genuinely didn't know i felt as if i could but i didn't really know what i was going to be up against and what was i going to be up against some awkward bosses you know and, and if it's like almost like well serves you right robin you put yourself in this position Um, so I was nervous, but I can genuinely say that I think, I think it is partly to do with age. All I found was huge respect everywhere, everywhere I went and it made my life so much easier and so much more enjoyable because people genuinely wanted to know, I mean, yes, you get these sort of odd questions like, why are you doing this? Why are you here? Are you mad? (laughs) <laughs> but most people were genuinely interested, and because I was naturally able to just draw on an experience and say, right, well, you see you see that issue there with that particular inquiry, if I were you, this is the way I would go about it, and, and these are the pitfalls for so what. I have to say, I did struggle for a few months in the first job as an administrator, because actually. I was grappling with um, a computer system, that I just did not understand. Um, So that is one downside, if you like, possibly being made redundant at this age, is that although I was reasonably IT savvy, I wasn't totally IT savvy and I wasn't really in my comfort zone. And this company had a very peculiar system, which I can't even remember the name of it now. It wasn't. It wasn't intuitive.
0: So I, I think it's a, it's a really interesting challenge to raise
2: mm.
0: in respect of, and I think actually it can be relevant to anyone yeah. at any age, but I understand the point around the challenges that presents when, um, mm. you know, you and yourself, you've been operating in a certain way for so long mm. and then it's about ch- making a change and adapting. What was your motivation?
2: My motivation, I think really it's this idea that you know you've been made redundant and therefore you're you're fighting the idea that you're you're no longer relevant and i know subconsciously that's what i was fighting i was thinking no no, no you can't tell you can't tell me that i know that i'm not required that i have no value because that's what i couldn't get my head around Was mm-hmm. was why make me redundant now you know i've got 39 years of experience and you're you're basically painting that as a worthless, but I just it's, it's, it's clearly an emotional response, I think, because as you say, it's mad, you know, taking a, a, a lower salary job as an administrator, driving two hours each way. Why? Well <laughs> the, the, the only sole motivation is is, no, no, you know, you're wrong. I've got to do this. <laughs> And it, and it paid off. I did, I did always have that notion that because of my connections in the packaging industry, surely something will come along. I think I there think was, was definitely, you know, and I, I, was, I was speaking to people in the industry all the time. So, you know, and networking. And one or two, actually one or two people were very good with me as well. They would stay in touch with me. So, you know, I had an excellent supplier who would regularly ring me and talk to me and, and, you know, and and that was great because that meant that I could actually stay up to date in the industry as well. So I would go to the packaging exhibitions as well because I I do believe in networking. Mm -hmm. So, you know, social networking and business networking, I think are very important. And even now with the consultancy role. You know, I've got one conversation running at the minute where I say, "Look, we need to, we need to come and meet. We need to be face to face across the table and talk because Zoom, as good as it is, isn't. It's not. It's not the whole picture. You know, you need, We, yeah. need, to, we need to eyeball and feel what the situation is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, So the sole motivator really was, no, no, I'm not finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll hold me down. It's not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what, what do you think have been your biggest learnings, Dad, at this latter stage of your working life?
2: The latter stage? Oh, that's, that's an interesting point. I, I think, I mean, clearly it's age-related. So the biggest learnings are, you know, we do have a value. We are open enough to learn new things. Um, we are able to contribute and make a difference. To a role and to a team definitely um and we're in a, we are in a good position to do that because we do <clears throat> we seem to naturally command a level of respect based on experience um so i think i think my learnings are really based around the fact if you like realizing that we are we are still capable we are capable at 60 and heading towards 70 we are I mean, and we must think we're not.
1: And to be honest,
2: I I've said to a number of people, I think setting a retirement age of sixty-five or whatever, because the government keeps tinkering around with it, is actually very unhelpful. I do believe people should be able to continue working if they if they want to and if they're willing and if they still have a use. I mean, obviously, no employ no good employing me if I if I can't. You know, if I if I'm can't contribute to your business. There's no point. But I think all the while we have a use and we're interested in doing it, we should be allowed to continue. And, and that's why, coming back to the expression rewired, I mean, that isn't an original expression. I forget who said it to me or where I heard it, but I actually like that because it means we're not. To me, the word retirement, there's, there's, it's, there's a finality about it which I really don't like. And although some people jump at retirement, you're quite right, other people retire and have got nothing to do. They literally have nothing to do. They they haven't built up interests in their personal life. Their only life is based on work. They stop work and then bump fall off a cliff. And that happens. That does happen. So mm-hmm. um so I I think you know there shouldn't be this cutoff point. Yeah,
1: because <laughs> yeah, at the minute it can be viewed as quite infinite, can't it? So it's like, boom, mm. there you go. And then your life, like you said, can change so dramatically overnight.
2: Yeah.
1: Whereas what you're talking about here with this kind of phrase around the rewire, which I love, yeah. by the way, mm. It's about this kind of um, evil, continual evolution of what you're doing, what you're contributing, the value you hold for yourself as well, yeah. Yeah. you know. And I can imagine when you get to that point in your life, that becomes even more important than probably what it has been previously.
2: I, th- I think that's right. I think, I mean, for all of us, self-esteem, yeah, is a key part of our lives, isn't it? It's how we live. It's how we perceive ourselves.
1: Absolutely. Uh-huh.
2: And and you know and it's important that we know each other. So it's, it's important that we know ourselves. You know what makes us tick. And and yeah. you kind of really it's only as you grow get older do you begin to realise a bit more about yourself. You know I mean sometimes I think to myself oh, I wish I could go back and do something slightly different, but you, but in reality you can't. So you, you have to kind of build on. Your experience and how you're thinking and feeling, and then move forward and try and be, you know, trying to be positive. And I agree with you, it's not always easy. I mean, yeah, I hated it, I hated being <laughs> very redundant. I still use the word hate.
1: <laughs> I, always, I,
2: always, I always remember actually somebody I used to, <clears throat> one of my coaching things when I was with, with a particular person, I would always pull them up on using the word hate. I'd always say, can you stop using that word? Um, it's not very nice. It's kind of, it's almost violent, you know. And yet I still use it. by <laughs> redundancy. I hate it. <laughs> but but I'm also thankful, and I know and I'm not being trite, um I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been able to enjoy the six to seven subsequent cover subsequent years so far. And if I had been made redundant. So yeah. even though there's an irony there, because I would have continued to sixty-five and I would have stopped. And I would have probably stopped firmly. I think the I think the act of redundancy actually triggered off something. It's like, now you really started it. <laughs> 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 you know, and it's like whoosh. And whereas I think if I'd have just gone through to sixty five, I think I would have I think I would have probably stopped. Mm. I'd be looking at all my certificates. Telling me how many years I've done, and well, this chair. You
1: would have got your I 40. I have
2: got any of that. <laughs> no, I haven't got any. I mean, it's no good having a certificate up in 39. Of me. Can, you, can, you
1: can
2: you imagine that? It's
0: like, oh, <laughs> <I'll> forget
2: like... <laughs> It's a horrible number, isn't it? 39.
0: <laughs> You're funny. So, Dad, what what would your advice be to others in a similar position? If you can summarise it in three points, because that fits our top
2: tips. (laughs) Well, I mean, first of all, I would say top tip number one is, you know, redundancy is not the end. It's not the end. Um, I would say that, if you like, top tip number two is basically see it as a new beginning because it enables you to seize the opportunities that really interest you. So if you like, once you've been made redundant, if you sit back and think, right, actually what really, what really interests me? And if you look at what what I'm doing now, I'm doing, you know, the things that are interesting me are particularly the Far East source supply chain, and the fact that I can give advice to other people. Um, There's a bit more than two tips there, isn't there? Um, (laughs) And three, I think, how do you phrase this? I don't know. You've got to be, you've got to stay positive and enthusiastic. I mean, it'd be very easy for a 60-plus-year-old to look, haggard, old... (laughs) Disgruntled, grumpy, what, what's, what's that program? You know, um I've got oh, Victor Meldrew. Don't, don't, <laughs> it's top three. Don't be a Victor Meldrew. One foot
1: in the grave, that's what it's
0: called, isn't it? I love yeah. that. That yeah. is a great
1: series. Don't be a Victor Meldrew. That's a victim. brilliant top tip.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I like that tip. Have, have you got enough clarity there, Lisa? I'm not sure. Um, yeah,
1: that's fine, yeah. Dad.
2: Yeah.
1: They're really clear and really, I think, really simple. And yeah. three, well, three, tips that our listeners can really <laughs> move with. Yeah, that's good, Dad.
0: That's good. <laughs>
2: okay.
0: Cool. Well, wow. thanks very much for being with us today. Really well, appreciate I it.
2: it as well. See, I thought what, what I said at the beginning has happened. This made me think a bit more. And it's actually been quite nice. You've enabled some other memories to come back up, which is actually really good, isn't it? It's a, it's a nice, it's a nice feeling. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Good. Well, it's been lovely to talk to you, Dad. Okay. Thank you very nice much, to chat Robin.
2: You, Susie, as well. And you. we okay. will okay. see
0: you
1: soon. Take care. So have a good day. And Bye. It's now time for Bullshit Bingo, where we call out phrases which get commonly used in the workplace, which, quite frankly, make us cringe. Today's Bullshit Bingo is blue sky thinking. Lisa, what do you think of this gem, blue sky thinking? I think this is one of
0: the most patronising phrases that exists. I hate this one, (laughs) blue sky thinking. It's so annoying. There's something about it that just really grates on me, like really grates. I just find it very patronizing. And there is an element of dismissiveness in it in terms of think positively. Only think of the good things. We're not allowed to be real here. No realism allowed. No Mm. challenges are allowed. I don't know. I just, oh God, it literally, I can feel it in my chest. I just can't stand this one. (laughs)
1: I think I've used this in my (laughs) in my career like I definitely think I have back in the day um I don't I can't remember in what context but I yeah I think I have used this but I also can see the flip side of the other side of it which is around I think it kind of creates an expectation that you need to think bigger, you need to think bolder, you need to be more positive, you need to think of more solutions, they need to be more innovative, more creative. And it then sets like an expectation, I think, which can actually I think do the opposite and actually stifle people thinking of solutions and ideas. Yeah, because they're like, oh my god, they need to be so big, they need to be so creative, they need to be like revolutionary. Yeah, it's, I think I, I totally agree. I actually think
0: we had a similar bullshit bingo in the first season. I can't think what it is now, and it was a little bit similar. And we said the same. It was. It feels like it stifles because yeah. immediately it puts you in
1: a place of pressure, so your brain gets smaller. It closes down. I think. Yeah. No, I think we did. Um, but this is a good one. And, and I'm sorry to say I have used <laughs> this bullshit, bingo. <laughs> Oopsie. Uh, this is up there with Journey for me. It's oh God, one, yeah, but I use Journey all the time. One of the others that I've used uh, a lot. <laughs> I like Journey.
0: I'm sticking it out there. I, I like Journey. That's staying. Even Rob Stevenson last week, when we interviewed him, he used Journey. And I didn't well. say anything, but I was like, the best of us use
1: Journey. Well, there we go, then. It's, it's not, it can't be a bullshit bingo anymore. No. That's for sure. Brilliant. Cool. Right. Blue sky thinking.
0: Pff, whatever. <laughs> We're coming to the end of today's episode where we've been speaking with my dad, Robin Terry, about his experiences of being made redundant at 60 and how he bounced back to retire in his own time. So his tips from today for you to try are, number one, redundancy is not the end, as he demonstrated. Number two was, see it as a new beginning. So it gives you the space and the time and the opportunity to do what you want. And number three, remain positive and enthusiastic. In Robin's words, don't be a Victor Meldrew. So, for anyone who doesn't know what that means, check out uh, "One Foot in the Grave," cracking BBC series. I'm sure it'll be on repeat (laughs) on Dave somewhere Uh, because Robin believes it's all about staying positive and enthusiastic and, and optimistic. I do think my dad is the epitome of enthusiasm. He's very jolly. That's how we describe him in my friendship circles. He's he's a jolly chap. So. In addition to those top tips, try asking yourself the following questions this week. Number one, how can you confidently deal with uncertainty? Number two, what are your opportunities? And number three, what are your challenges? And how can you learn and convert these into opportunities as well? We hope you enjoyed today and have some new ideas to take away and try for yourselves. If you have any questions, thoughts or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. And you can contact us at hello at thecoachingcast.co.uk or you can find us and follow us on Instagram at thecoachingcast. Your support means everything. Therefore, if you like what you've heard, then give us a follow, as I've described on Instagram. Leave us a review on Apple and Google podcasts. And most importantly, subscribe to future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, you can find us on YouTube, where you can watch these episodes. That will give you some extra gems, by the way.
1: It really will. Uh,
0: and you literally just need to search for us by typing "The Coaching Cast" into YouTube.
1: Our episode next week is focusing on team development, and we actually only have two more episodes left of season two. It's oh my goodness! So quick. It's gone so quick. I know. Quick. Uh, So next week's episode is, like I said, on team development and how you can get the best out of the team that you work with. We both love music and use it to motivate and energise us. So we like to finish each episode with our personal song recommendation, giving you positivity and energy as you launch into your next Zoom or Teams meeting. It's my choice this week, and I have chosen Death Stranding by Churches. Enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. And remember, you've got this.